Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. For those who care, I understand if you don't. Today, I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ, as always, but not to being Christian. Or to being part of Christianity. It's simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, and deservingly infamous group for ten years I've tried. I've failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will allow nothing else. These are the words of Anne Rice, a famous author who wrote, among other things, Interview of a Vampire Slayer, who was a very strong Christian and writing a series of Christian books about the life of Jesus when she wrote this letter and sent it to the local paper. I believe strongly that, that this comes from this idea. I know I've been there myself and so many others I've bounced into over time. comes from this health club model of church. This idea that when the church isn't working, not quite right to my satisfaction, that I'm out. And where this idea and where this thing comes from, I think, is often from a misinterpretation and a misreading of scripture. You see, we have a very individualist culture, where often you find, and traditionally in biblical times in the Middle East, um, it was more of a collective culture, where you weren't focusing on the individual, but the entire group. Um, the way this often comes across is, is uh, what was meant without being said in a lot of these things. So, for example, Paul's letters. So we often think of Paul as writing these letters as like sitting at a desk like I am now, pen and paper, writing out what he thought and what these things. But this probably wasn't the case. You know, he'd have to employ a scribe from the local markets to come in. And it would be done in a very public place, not in an office, not in a closed room. You'd want the light, it'd be done on a balcony or, or something like that, where the, the passers-by would often see. And it was only polite to stop and engage, listen to these things. And there would have been a team around him before coming up with the ideas of how to correct these problems. But not only that, but Paul himself, in, in six of his letters, actually mentions people he's writing with. But yet we overlook it, and, and myself and a lot of us think that it's just Paul sitting there with a pen and paper writing these letters. But that wouldn't have been the case, because 
it was all a different sort of culture to what we see today, but we do not seem to remember that. You know, there's six other mentions in Paul's letters we'll find in, in 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, in 1 and 2 Galatians, in, in Philippians, um, Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians, um, Philippians, um, and e even if you read in Acts, in Acts 15, I'm pretty sure it is, we see Paul, in around about 36, we see Paul stops he's lost his team and he's waiting to gather another before he moves on it was very rare in the time for people to move in isolation by themselves when and what we don't see again and again is that when one person finds christ or comes to god the whole family comes to god you know in Acts 16 again we see paul and silas in prison and, and the jailer we're told your whole family, your whole household is saved in that incidence. And in many times we see this. But what we don't realize is that comes from the collectivism culture, which we often find in places around the world other than our own. What happens when you read the Bible through these lenses and you look from the cultural differences, what was actually going on? what was being said without being said. I know there was a, a fantastic book I read a while ago about um, Christianity going into Japan and the problems they had. One of the things that it bounced up again all the time was due to this culture, it wasn't the individualism that we have today. So when a man was interested in coming to Christ, he wouldn't. He'd say, I'd need to go talk to my uncle, my grandfather, my family, whatever it is, before I make this decision, which stumped our missionaries going into Japan. But what they didn't understand was that it wasn't only just the living family, but in the Japanese traditions, it was the family had already passed. So it was all your dead relatives as well. So if you made the decision to go to Christianity, so did all the previous generations behind you. So it was a lot more hanging on your head through this collective idea of culture. So you can see, you know, how hard some of the words of Jesus would have been for, for these cultures to understand. When you look at Matthew 12, um, you know, when his family comes to him and he says, my family are here in front of me. This would have been very confronting when his mother was outside asking to talk to him. And he said, my family is here already, the disciples who are talking to him. Paul often calls the followers of Jesus sons in the faith, which is something which we probably brush over. But in that collective culture was something which was very confronting. I know from the Roman point of view, it was definitely frowned upon because the name, the family name, meant so much, particularly in a shame-based culture. The last thing you wanted to do was bring shame to your family name. So calling people family who weren't even of your bloodline could open up all sorts of problems. But yet Jesus called his followers family. It could have put a world of danger and problems in place. 
because by Jesus calling them family says that he is taking on what they do that what they do in their lives will bring shame or glory into the name as a collective not as the individual that we get today so what are some other things how do we look at these things where they go wrong how can we read the Bible through this idea this collectiveness how can we get more out of the Bible by looking today and trying to draw what the original audience would have got out of this our individualism which we have today when we read the Bible is not a primary concern and was never a primary concern you know, uh, in Paul first Corinthians we have um, uh, in six here we go do do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor God with your body so I'm going to read this again and this time try to look at it from not the individual perspective see one thing we have a flaw in the English language where you unlike a lot of places in the world is not collective you can mean all sorts of things you know use guys you you know this side of talk so the you is actually plural so let's look at it again do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor God with your plural body how do you picture this verse you is the plural there isn't millions of temples running around out there we often look at this in the singular individual or so I need to look after my body because this is the temple of Christ well yes but that's not how they would have read it God doesn't have millions of temples running around the world he has one spiritual home which is made up of all of us and that is what they would have got from that culture all of us together one singular temple for the Holy Spirit now another one um, is in first Peter as you come to him the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ you know from our individualist background in our culture we tend to think of this and think of like um, the individual the stone is like that's me that's my stone you know um, like a, a brick you might buy in a building 
um, which has your family name on it or something. So you can go up and go, hey, look, there I am, that's me. But from the collectivist culture, this was not the way they would have looked at it. It would have been, hey, I'm an indistinguishable part of this whole. We are all built to be together. The church needs to stop thinking of me and I like through this individual lens and start thinking of the collective. Start thinking of us as a whole. And I challenge you to try and read the Bible and, and look at it through some of these other lenses, these other cultural differences, particularly the ones which were around the Middle East in the biblical times. But let me ask you this one question. Just looking at these couple of little passages. How Christian is self-reliance? Self-reliance is such a big thing in today's society. But how Christian is self-reliance? This is just one aspect of the individualism versus the collective. There's also time, there's Kairos, Kronos, um, there's so many different cultural diversities, uh, shame, uh, the clean and unclean, all these things. It opens up a massive can of worms, a massive way of looking at the Bible differently to try and get out how it was originally read and what it would originally meant. So I challenge you to engage. I've written an article here which will give you a bit of an idea. Um, try and look at these, the Bible through these different lenses. Please get in touch with myself, with Mike. Let's discuss it. Let's talk about what you find. Um, hopefully this will be a bit of fun and also you'll get a bit of insight as well. All right, we'll talk again. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>